Lord God, we are we are broken men. We we think we know how to do what you've said before us, and when we try to do that on our own, we fall short. And Lord, we need your word. We need your spirit. We need you to lead us. Father, we ask that all of us here would be able to set aside all the things that we think we know about how to um, lead well in our families and lead well uh, in our to the word that you'll bring to us this morning. We ask that you would uh, pour your spirit out on Mike this morning uh, and give us ears to hear. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Michael Helvey. Good morning. I need to bring my coffee up because just like every time, I don't know what it is, every time I go to teach, about two days ago, I started this cough going. And maybe I'm just sort of allergic to teaching. But So I need the coffee there. I've got a cough drop in my uh, pocket just in case. Um, yeah, we are broken people, and we don't always get it right. Um, this morning when I got up, I was uh, surprised. I've got a um, very lovely uh, little dog. Um, not, not real little, but I've got this dog that is a, an escape artist. She, I have zip-tied her crate. I don't know how she got out. I mean, I, and I get up, and I see this little brown thing going across the room. I'm like, there she is again. Um, but it was a good thing because she left a present there for me. Apparently, she's got a little um, intestinal distress going on. And... It was on the hardwood floor, which was a good thing, and I'm getting to a point with this. Um, and when I was running a few minutes late coming here, and this happened, and I told my wife about it, I could see in her, in her eyes that this was not going to go well this morning. Um, but it did go well. I mean, she got up, and she helped me out, and we got it done. And the point there is that I realized that it's very applicable to this lesson. This morning, we're going to talk about husbands and wives. We're going to talk about what it means to love our wives, what it means to, for our wives to submit. And that's a word that makes a lot of people bristle or um, respect their husbands. And so I'm just going to jump right into it um, because, frankly, my mind is kind of a little scatterbrained this morning. In the letter that we've been going through, Ephesians, Get the technology working. In the letter we've been going through, Paul um, has been explaining to us God's expectations of us, the body of believers, in terms of unity. Um, when we think and talk about holiness, when we think and talk about our spiritual growth, we often do that and we focus our conversations on our personal relationship with Jesus Christ, which is a huge deal, and that is the foundation of our spiritual growth. Um, but as we grow spiritually, we get closer to God, we get to know God better. Um, Paul's not addressing that relationship with Jesus Christ um, at this point, but rather our relationship with Jesus Christ. What does it look like to be in unity? What does it look like to be in unity with our brothers here, 
what does it look like to be in unity in our household? Um, spiritual growth impacts how we relate to other people, and that's where we're going to go today with husbands and wives. Now, I realize we don't all have husbands and wives, but we know people that do. And so this is also a great um, example of the relationship we have as a body of believers with Christ, and we'll get to that. Um, Marty often points out that the original manuscripts don't have those chapter and um, section and verse breaks um, like we have in our Bibles. Um, and sometimes they appear to be arbitrarily assigned, and this may be one of those cases. We're in chapter 5, um, starting with verse 21, which um, Dallas finished up with last week. But really, this is kind of the start of this section. The RSV starts out with a capital B. Now, many of the other um, translations have this a continuation of the pre previous sentence. But it says, be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. And the NET and ESV say, submit. And this is an imperative that we're going to look at. Part of what we're going to look at today. The verb to submit, be submitting um, to one another is dependent back on something that Paul said in verse 18 previously. When he's talking about don't get drunk on wine, but instead be, spilled, be filled with the Holy Spirit and do the following things. And then he talks about what being filled with the Holy Spirit looks like. Submitting to one another is a continuation, and this is a consequence of being filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's indwelling in us. It leads directly to what Paul is about to say in this passage, starting with uh, verse 22. And so what follows is, think of this as examples of what it means to um, what what Christian submission means and out of reverence for Christ and as a result of the filling of the Holy Spirit. I hope that made sense. Um, I pray that God will illuminate his holy word for each of you exactly where you are today as we go through these passages together. So let's get right to it. Ephesians 5, 21 to 33. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband's the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, to sanctify her by cleansing her with the washing of the water by the word so that he may present the church to himself as glorious, not having a stain or wrinkle or any such blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives. <coughs> Excuse me. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one has ever hated his own body, but feeds it and takes care of it just as Christ also does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be joined with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I'm actually speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each one of you must also love his own wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Look, um, submission to God. 
It's fundamental to our Christian walk. It starts when we recognize our sins. We accept God's forgiveness. We make Christ Lord of our life. How can we not submit and yet say we make Christ Lord of our life? We can't. All areas of our lives are to be put under the, um, or to be submitted to God and placed under his authority. When we come to Jesus for salvation, we start, we learn to obey him, we learn about him, we treat others with love, and we share Christ with others, we are showing submission to the Lord through our actions in a way that honors God, and it also impacts the lives of others. Paul says we must be submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Why? 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 Should they do that? Well, he says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and he himself its Savior. The husband's headship is clearly stated here as a fact. It's also the basis of the wife's submission. This has been true since creation. Let me ask you, have these relations between husbands and wives as created by God been distorted? That loaded question, absolutely. The fall took what God created as perfect as this um, compatible relationship between husband and wife and distorted it. However, later, as Christ points out also, Paul's going to reach back to Genesis and quote, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be joined to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Woman was created after man, that's true. And some people say, well, well, how does this work then? Because not only is woman created to complement man, but we men are created to complement women. Well, I don't know exactly how that works, but that's how God created us, and that's what his word says. We're complementary in nature. Even though some bristle at the fact that husbands and wives don't have an interchangeable role, um, it's an it, it's a inescapable truth. We complement each other. A man is fulfilled when a man is being a man. A woman is fulfilled by being a woman. This reality has been so corrupted that we see confusion as what it actually means to be a man and a woman. We have to have those discussions quite often. The reality is that, that Paul's showing us the purposes for our differences and if we are doing it right as men, we will typify the relationship between Christ and the church. I think that's just outstanding. Um, one of the commentators that we've been looking at, John Stott, said that God has made and makes men and women different, and one of the basic differences lies in this headship, which he gives to the man. Now, on the flip side, that cultural bristling that comes about from the idea of submission is really focused on the thought that submission equals subjugation or equals um, subordination or oppression. So what does it really mean to submit? <coughs> when we talk about submitting to one another and we talk about wives submitting to the husbands, it has to be in the context of Jesus Christ. For the husband's the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body and himself its savior. We all, in the body of Christ, drive all of our goodness and our health and our spiritual growth 
from Jesus as our head. The context of what it means to be a head or the headship is contained in that last part. He is its savior. Christ's headship can only be understood in the context of his love for the church. The husband's headship is like Christ of the church, and the wife's submission is also like the church to Christ. But as the church submits to Christ, so also the wives should submit to the husbands in everything. There's nothing demanding or demeaning here in this word submission. It's not unquestioning obedience to the rule, but grateful acceptance of the love, of the care. This is a picture of voluntary, free, joyful, and thankful partnership as a relationship between the church and Christ demonstrates. To an unbeliever, the idea that we obey God out of gratefulness for what he has done is a hard thing to understand. And really, we obey for something even deeper than that. From the outside, it appears that there's fear and intimidation involved in a relationship like that. Certainly, I and I imagine all of you are in awe of God, and the very idea of God causes me to tremble because I know who I am apart from Christ, and I know who God is as much as I can understand God. But from the inside, from inside the church, from inside me, my relationship with God causes me to desire to submit to his will. It comes from within. This is what Paul was talking about in the wife's submission to the husband. And, we, and the husband is called to love the wife with the deepest self-sacrificial love. It's only in the context of that kind of love that the submission and respect of the woman is even understandable. If the word submit characterizes the wife's role in the marriage, the word love characterizes the husband's. This is critical. Wives are not called to submit to a demanding, authoritative brute. They are called to submit to a lover. And if you've ever watched a Hallmark movie, who would not want to submit to a lover? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. We're talking about a very strong, sacrificial love. This is what we are supposed to aspire to. Paul uses two analogies to talk about the kind of love that husbands should have. First, the husband must love his wife as Christ loves the church. How did Christ love the church? He gave himself for her to sanctify her by cleansing that he may present her to himself. Christ loved the church, and having done that, he gave himself up for her. This seems to reference the cross. This seems to rec um, reference the holy sacrifice. Well, the question is why? It's so that he might sanctify the church, having cleansed her. The sanctifying, having cleansed her, indicates the cleansing comes before the sanctification, and isn't that just what Christ did for us? He took away our guilt when we first believed, that's when we we're justified. He will then sanctify us. That's the process that we are currently in. And the next, washing of the water by the word, that brings what to mind? Baptism to mind. Many commentators make a case that the water and the word are necessary because baptism is symbolic in nature. And the washing and the word part, the word part is either the sinner's confession or possibly the preaching of the gospel. I read some different thoughts on that. 
But anyways, uh, Calvin urged that we don't separate the two and that they are necessary together because the symbolism, the sign, without the action or the promise is worthless. It's an unprofitable thing, he says. It just has no value. Others suggest that the word might refer to the bridegroom's confession of love. The bride stands there, beautified, clean, sanctified, pure, and the bridegroom is expressing that love to the bride. In any case, having cleaned his bride, Christ is to sanctify her and present her to himself. Sanctification, as we discussed, is a process we're currently in, making the church holy in character and conduct by the power of the Spirit. Presentation is referring to the latter days when Christ returns to take the church as a bride for himself. He will present her to himself as glorious, not having a stain or wrinkle or any such blemish, but holy and blameless. This is what we have to look forward to. Glory refers to God's radiance, that shining forth. Um, Christ is going to make his bride radiant. On earth, she was ragged. ragged. We can look around and see this, tattered, stained. Sometimes the church is ugly. But one day, the church will be seen to be glorious, holy without blemish. Note that the bride does not make herself presentable, but the bridegroom does it. His love is self-sacrificial cleansing, sacrificing for all her and her perfection when he presents her to himself at last. This is the implication of Christ's headship. And this guy is what guys, what husbands are called to be to their wives. Christ does not subjugate the church, does not crush the church's spirit, does not berate the church. He serves her so that she can become everything he longs her to be. That's what I want for my wife. I want her to be everything that she can be. Just as a husband should never use his headship to crush or stifle his wife, Paul is saying the husband will willingly give himself for her in servant leadership in order to develop her full potential. In the same way, husbands ought to love the wives as their own bodies. Now he's changing metaphors here. For no one has ever hated his own body, but he feeds it and takes care of it, just as Christ does a church. Okay, that first analogy of Christ and the church, that might be very hard to understand. Um, hard to relate to loving our wives as Christ loves the church, but I think we can all relate to loving ourselves. I mean, somehow that's just fundamental. Self-love is much easier because we do tend to take care of ourselves. And this is something that, guys, honestly, we can get. Um, Christ said that we should treat others as we would ourselves wanted to be treated, the golden rule, whose parents didn't tell him that. And Paul brings this back to Christ when he says that we take care of our body just as Christ took care of the church, or takes care of the church. Paul pulls this together with the idea of loving Christ, of loving as Christ loved the church, and loving as we do our own body with verse 30. For we are members of his body, we are part of Christ in an inseparable union, and the marriage relationship that, that men and women have now are a reflection of that. This leads Paul to quote Genesis 2.24, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And he adds, This mystery is great, 
but I'm actually speaking with reference to Christ in the church. The union of a man and woman is a beautiful thing. It's a mystery that has become revealed truth. But the profound mystery of the church's union with Christ is what Paul is talking about now. When applied to Christ in the church, the one flesh is part of the picture that, of the church that Paul develops. And he's still emphasizing unity within the church on the account of Christ. Verse 33. Nevertheless, each of you must also love his own wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. That summarizes what Paul is telling the husbands there. Each of us husbands, those who are husbands, is to love our wife as ourselves, for the two have become one. And then he mentions, let the wife respect, therefore respect her husband. I don't think that respecting the husband comes before the loving of the wife. John Stott concludes that we have seen the love that Paul has in mind for the husband, for how the husband sacrifices and serves with a view to enable his wife to become what God intends her to be. And that's really the message. I'm sorry, I meant to take that out. Um, that's really the message, guys. Are we living sacrificially in order that wives may become all that they may be? So here's some discussion questions just to get us going this morning. Um, how has God designed marriage to show the gospel to the world? And it really is a very beautiful picture of how Christ takes care of the church. How is God's design for marriage different than what the world tells us? How does thinking about marriage as a tool to show the mystery of the gospel change the value in your mind of marriage? And the important one here, what I'd like you to get to, is what's the biggest hindrance to showing your wife sacrificial love for those that have wives? What lies at the root of the hindrance, and how can you combat, combat that with spiritual truth? Lord, I ask you to... Uh, your spirit to move amongst us and illuminate your word and help us grapple with these concepts. I ask you to bless these men in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs>